Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast, where we explore how to center our lives and our leadership in the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. In the midst of the disruptive cultural shockwaves of the 21st century. Join us as we learn to take the love of God seriously as the force that holds all of us and everything together. If you're loving this podcast, we invite you to go deeper and partner with us in our work by joining the Gravity Commons, our online community of practice for connecting and learning together. As a member of the Gravity Commons, you get access to live podcast recordings with upcoming guests, as well as other opportunities to connect and learn together with us in real time. Including learning labs, member meetups, discussion boards, online courses, and our practitioner podcasts. Go to gravityleadership.com slash commons to find out more. See you in the commons. Question, friends. <laughs> yes. Question? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, give me your, what, what, did, what did you love about your 22nd wedding anniversary? 20s. What did you love about how you celebrated that? What, uh, I need what to do a stands out? Quick, hold on. I, I need to do a little math. Love that I'm going to celebrate it in about a year oh. and a half. Ah, there you go. But I am okay. not. I've not like yet celebrated. Twenty second. Well, that's not much I'm help. Still Christy. trying to do the math here. <laughs> I need. We, we are going year. to the Netherlands. We are going to the Netherlands. That's oh, going to be really so fun. Cool. I'm going to bike through the tulips. You know, I grew up in Holland, Michigan, and yeah. my neighbor mm-hmm. legit mm-hmm. did not speak English. And oh. gave me windmill cookies and strawberry milk after school, and we would color together. But she didn't; she didn't speak English. And yeah. so, like you know, Dutch is very much. Even though I'm not Dutch, it's like was part of my growing up. So I've always wanted to go. Yeah. And so mm. Paul has some work in England, and we're going to celebrate our next anniversary mm. over there. It was kind of fun. That's great. I th- That's nice. I like to think of Western Michigan as like Disney Netherlands. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's like- <laughs> You Windmills know, it's kind of the Americanized American, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right, right, yeah. I I uh, I've been doing a little research and a little math over here, Matt. Because when you said twenty second, I was like, mm-hmm. uh, I I have such trouble f- even figuring out how long I've been married. I feel like after twenty five, I've been like, I don't know how long it's been. <laughs> and I can't do the math, <laughs> um, but I'm definitely over twenty five. So I think it was two thousand eighteen for us. And so mm-hmm. I just looked back in my Google Calendar, which you you do? Know, keeps the record of my life. Uh, it looks like we just did a little. Um, we didn't do much. Uh, it wasn't real big. I have a. I have an event on my calendar that says secret anniversary night out. Oh. So I think I may have surprised Deb with with something, and then we have like a little hotel stay. And so I think we may have actually just stayed at a hotel here in Indianapolis somewhere. Okay. And and I planned like a secret night out, and she didn't. Uh, she didn't. Uh, she didn't know about it until like the day before. Which <laughs> now I'm remembering. Okay. Um, my wife does not like surprises. <laughs> and so I thought she was going to think it was awesome. And she, she just got really anxious about it. So I was like, okay, well, no more. All right. If I'm going to surprise you, I'm going to let her know about the surprise a week ahead of time. That'll be That's the surprise. Wise. It's still but a surprise. It gives her, yeah. it's still a surprise, but it gives her some time to adjust and make sure she's got her ducks in a row. Matt, do anyway, you want to Anyway, so some ideas for you, Matt. Okay. Because today, as we record 22? this, come on. As we record this, Happy it's Matt's anniversary. 22nd anniversary. Thank, thank you. Thanks. Some I'm friends looking. of ours called them the Tebbykins in a in a text chat. Happy anniversary, <laughs> Tebbykins. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the cutest thing I've ever heard. And now I'm never going to look at them the same. I'm yeah, going to reuse so, that. Yeah. I was really hoping that you guys would have some ideas um, for me. <laughs> I can look at other. Your, your other idea, Ben, like um, yeah. made, made your wife grumpy. 
And <laughs> Christy, I love the Netherland idea, but I don't think <laughs> we have time for that today. How about a progressive um, dinner? How about like go oh. to like three different places? Like one place for like, appetizers. Like invite Al Franken food. over for dinner, you mean? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay, how about Joe Biden and Al Franken are coming to dinner, honey? Happy anniversary. (laughs) Her dream come true. I I don't get it. Christy said it would be great. I don't know. It was her idea. I don't. Maybe she wants. Uh, You know something. Okay, okay. You're about to have another idea, aren't you, Christy? Yes. Yeah, I'm full of them. Ready? That's what I'm going to say. Like, I need to keep this in mind that you have so many ideas. She's so good at this. Call me up. I'll give you some ideas. I have zero. As soon as the like opportunity comes up to, like Matt and I were talking about this the other day with our co-pastor, like trying to figure out like, hey, we should maybe have some food at this church meeting we're gonna we're planning, <laughs> and like immediately my mind goes blank and I can't think of any food. I'm like, what is food? I can't. What is the? F- I can't even. So I'm like the opposite of you, Christy. Like I run out of ideas as soon as it's time to have them. Oh but when man. When it comes to these kinds of things like food and and parties. But you you are full of them. You have like it might be my superpower, people. I it think might it be. might be. You're like we're we're gonna every year on St. Patty's Day we do these 18 things and then right. we add one. We add one every year. Uh, anyway, okay. My idea okay, for you this year, idea? Matt, if you don't want the progressive dinner, <laughs> is give her little five little gifts about the five senses, uh-huh. like oh. something to <laughs> smell, amazing. like maybe perfume or candle, cool. something to listen to, like a new vinyl mm. record, something oh. you know mm. to taste, like chocolate, her favorite candy bar. It doesn't be big things, just like little things. And then you can tell mm. her that you love all of her, like all of her. With your five senses. That is so. That's good. really amazing, Christy. Okay. Like this, come on, you can do that. You can go to the like dollar store and do that. <laughs> Christy, I'm still amazed. I really Christy. think that you should create like a couple's like game with like idea cards, <laughs> like oh special gosh. event, like date, date night, night, date night family event cards. kind of like ideas, and just oh my gosh, and like oh. We could make it into a podcast too. Like that, yeah. that could be a podcast that we do where you like suggest things and then like couples who went on the date, they come back on the podcast and they talk to you about Oh my that. gosh. Be so fun. Christy Pinley. So fun. That would be Paul and I, your shangri back and forth. We go back and forth about like planning uh-huh. a date. Yeah. Matt, this is another one for you. I think you would get into this. Paul did not want to do it. We ended up not doing it. But my idea was each of us have ten dollars. We go to Goodwill, we have to buy the craziest outfit for the other person and outfit. then we have to wear it out to dinner <laughs> i thought it'd be so fun and paul was I... like what in the world <laughs> did i marry a 13 year old i'm like yes you did christy that idea gives me all kinds of joy on my in and my insides yeah. my wife you. my wife uh-huh. would be like no way right <laughs> here's what here's what needs to happen christy you and i need to do that and we'll go like We'll go on a hike or something in funny clothes, and our and our spouses can judge us from like the parking lot. <laughs> They'll take pictures. Yeah, post about us in social media about how crazy we are. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, anyway, those are some ideas, friends. That's, those ideas. are great ideas, and listeners. Free, feel free to take them. Just file them away, and maybe you can plan your anniversary date. Maybe a bit like before the actual day of the anniversary, like Matt's trying to do right now. It seems like so. I. Let's just say that I. I'm actually just getting your ideas to. Uh, this is cr- I'm just crowdsourcing. I'm just crowdsourcing ideas. It doesn't mean I don't have ideas. Okay. Or have something wonderful planned. Okay. It doesn't mean that's it doesn't. All, that's it true. also doesn't that's mean true. I do. So. However, <laughs> listeners, if you do these ideas, tell us uh-huh. about them. Take pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Send them to us. I want to know. Send it. Yeah. Le- leave us a message at gravityleadership.com/slash/message. So it's actually true. You can leave us a message. You can. If you'd like. Yeah. I just. I'm just noticing that like. Um, you know, some some of my friends who are married, their partner or their spouse, they they really love gifts. Yeah. And so like birthdays, Christmas, anniversary, Valentine's Day, like the mm-hmm. spouse basically has to get increasingly more creative or <laughs> Yikes. or like the law of diminishing returns. Meaningful, the gifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I listen to what they're doing, and I'm like equal parts like impressed and exhausted. Like yeah. I think if that was my spouse, yeah. I would have so much anxiety because I'm very 
I'm very not good <laughs> at like coming up with like really creative, meaningful good. gifts. Yeah. Um, I'm the same way. But my wife is really good at it. She is really good. She's so thoughtful. She's so good at like, this is a perfect gift for the person who has everything. You know, yeah. trying to buy like Christmas gifts for your parents. Yep. It can be so hard because, you know, what do they, what do they need? <laughs> Um, anything. Well, yeah. I just I I bought my dad f uh, five of our books for Christmas. Everybody <laughs> in my family is getting five of our books. This is how we're getting on the New York Times best signed copy. Here you <laughs> go. That's a, it is a known strategy. If you got a big uh, mega church, everybody gets a well, book. I don't think people it's, frown it's upon that now. Bit, yeah, they they yeah. do frown upon yeah. it, but it is a, uh, a while back. It used to be a known strategy. I won't name names, but are you going to um, read us a little bit from the book, Ben? Is that what you got there? Yeah. You no, can give that at, to Sharon for your her. anniversary. Oh, that's a great gifts. idea. What if I wrap it and give it to her? <laughs> it's free, honey. That is awesome. I got it on sale. I got it 60%. No, it's not off. awesome. That'll cause no, a... That, that, I'll give her that, that book and I'll say, Sharon, I want you to use your five senses. So tell me... <laughs> how the book tastes. How the book how impacts the you. Smell. Sniff yeah. it. I actually did like how our book smelled. If you guys remember the unboxing video. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's just because you like to sniff glue. I, it smells well, like uh, like ink and glue. I do find I do find I have a Dead trees. Uh, a sensitive nose. People t people tell me this. Hmm. My wife tells me this. Like she's like, I don't smell anything. I'm like, oh, there's something's burning. She <laughs> has COVID. The other day she in the house. doesn't smell anything. She has COVID. <laughs> in the house. She maybe there dying. was an electric smell. There was like this electric burning smell, and we could Ooh. not figure out where it was coming from. And like. We still don't know what it was, and so th there's part of me that is just like, we need to move, because the house is going to burn down any second. Mm. Anyway, mm. I went back real fast. Well, uh, speaking of our book. And speaking of gifts. No, that's not a good segue. Speaking of our <laughs> book, uh, we are on, we're coming to, we're landing the plane here uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, we got this week and next week, um, where we've been chatting through the different chapters uh, of our book, uh, the eight axioms for cultivating a robust faith. Um, from our book, Having the Mind of Christ. And so we're on Axiom 8 today. God transforms us through embodied participation. Um, yeah, and we have a great conversation uh, for you with Christy and Gino. Uh, Matt and I just kind of asking questions and reflecting on the content uh, in the book. Um, I was just looking at the epigraphs at the beginning of this chapter and um, uh, realizing, I, I can't remember where we found this, but the saying from the Asaro tribe of Indonesia and Papua New Guinea, that knowledge is only a rumor until it lives in the muscle. Yeah. I really, uh, I like the visceral nature of that, um, of that kind of aphorism just because it, uh, I think it gets at what we're talking about when we're talking about this, this axiom. Because it's something more than just like, uh, you've got to put your faith into practice. Um, I mean, I think it, it maybe it's something more than just w what we normally think about when we think about putting your faith into practice, which I think sometimes for us seems to mean I, I need to perform well for Jesus, right? right. And so we're talking about something uh, different here, a little bit more integrated, integrated um, something that is a bit more like participating in the life that Jesus shares with us. Yeah. Um, but that's got to get into our bodies and our relationships if it's going to be real. So anyway, that's our conversation today. Yeah. Let's, let's dive in. It's a good one. Okay. All right. Well, uh, here we go. Let's dive in. Axiom eight. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. Boom. <laughs> Axiom eight today, and we're all here. Um, ben and I are joined by Christy and Gino. Hey, hey. The game's hey. all here. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. It's been hey. fun. We've been doing this for a few months now. It's almost the new normal. Uh, it does feel like it'll the be new nice normal. to. It's like we it's do this every week now on the podcast. Normal. Yep. Uh, we'll quit yeah. cold turkey though, and uh, go through withdrawal just like heroin addicts. So Axiom eight. <laughs> Is how do you bring that up every episode? Heroin, what turkeys? Heroin. Oh, yeah, I bring both, up heroin probably. every episode. I think so. <laughs> I feel like Look, the reality is, episode, I just won't be on the podcast anymore, guys. That's, that's I will oh, be that's the one. True. That's right. Yeah, Gino's the one. We're gonna you're, replace I'm the cold turkey. 
anyway i'm the cold turkey one it's good <laughs> um anyway. well uh speaking of turkeys yeah uh we are on axiom eight mm-hmm. um good segue Mm-hmm. And uh, this this is the last axiom in the book that we've been talking through for the last several weeks, uh, month plus. And this one is God transforms us through embodied participation. Let me say the second word in that sentence again because I think I gaffled it. God transforms us. There we go. Through embodied participation. Um, this this chapter really is about what does it mean to believe something. Mm-hmm. Um. I think I think one way to summarize this is that for many of us who come from a Western educated kind of post enlightenment background, that uh, believe has become a synonym for think or agree. And one of the one of the things we've recovered as we've tried to build this faith centered on Jesus is that to believe is to live as though something is true. Uh, uh, one, a one, one friend of ours talks about it as to give allegiance to something. And, and we, we sort of use the phrase embodied participation or embodied trust as uh, a synonym or uh, as a replacement then for the word believe. And so this is, uh, this is to cap it everything off that we've been talking about. These, these lenses that give us access to new reality, we, they don't become a part of our lives by thinking about them more or memorizing them. Although, if you're going to memorize our book, I have a few other books I would recommend memorizing before ours. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say that. I'm not, I'm not supposed to say that, but yeah, there's a better use of your time to memorize other things. But we we learn um, we learn things as we try, mm-hmm. as we fail, as our bodies become accustomed to living in new ways yeah. and relating in new ways and responding in new ways. Mm-hmm. This is how we learn. There's a tactile existential learning versus a discursive, right, cognitive learning. And they're not diametrically opposed, but because our context has privileged learning with our prefrontal cortex, uh, we have to emphasize the embodiment Mm -hmm. of things of faith, right? That these are relational ways of being, uh, which obviously doesn't circumvent our discursive rational thought, but includes it and transcends it. And so, uh, one of the big things for me in this chapter, and we're going to get into what uh, Gino and Christy want to share, is just this changes the way that I relate to failure. It changes um, it changes the the fetishing on expertise that I've lived in for a long time, and the fear that I've attached to not being an expert or not being competent at things, and it's given me permission and freedom to fail because failure is how we learn. We, we learn how to fail forward, which we've talked about on this podcast mm. before. So, we, uh, God transforms us. We become more like Jesus through embodied participation. Um, Christy, let's start with you. Uh, this axiom, how, how have you seen this show up in your life, or how has this been helpful to you? Yeah, I think that whole idea of what's my relationship with failure uh, and has been really hard because I'm an Enneagram three. Um, all you E three people out there, you like when you fail, you are a failure. You, you that's the lie you believe of just like that's my identity, and and that comes right into you know to theology and in faith and and so I grew up kind of thinking these are the things that I need to do to live for Jesus type mentality, yeah. and then when I don't do those things or I fail, or I sin, or whatever yeah. word you want to put in there, yeah. um, it was devastating. It was not an opportunity for me to learn. <laughs> it was, I just found myself on the floor breathing in the carpet fibers because I was crying, <laughs> that type of thing. And so this shift has yeah. just been really powerful <laughs> in my life because now I, I'm not, I, haven't, I haven't succeeded. I am learning this, actually in the present day of yeah. when I fail, um, whether that's as a mom, um, as a coworker, as a wife, as a friend, um, to now have the perspective of this is just a kairos. This is an opportunity for me to continue mm-hmm. to learn and, um, and to press into that. And that mm-hmm. has been life-changing, truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you say, Gina? Uh, yeah, how about for you? Yeah, 
I think most people that know me would think of me as someone who's pretty risk averse and likes to jump into trying new things with my body, even if I'm not coordinated Wait, enough or whatever it looks you like. You say you are risk averse? I'm sorry. I'm not, not risk averse. You're not risk averse. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I was like, wait, those feel like the opposite. You may have said that correctly, but in my mind. (laughs) I might not have said the not. Um, And so when I was reading this chapter, I think this has come through learning. This has been a learned behavior for me. Hmm. When I read uh, Ben, your story of almost quitting the piano, I think Mm -hmm. I have, I'm like alternate Ben. I played the drums (laughs) when I was about six or seven. Did you? And I remember a time when I would have my little snare drum out on the sidewalk watching my my brother and all my yeah. friends play yeah. pr- playing while I was supposed to be practicing my dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, yeah. crying yeah. because I wanted to be doing anything other than oh. practicing the drums. So I quit. <sighs> I loved basketball, went to a camp, had a bad experience the first day. Same, It was the same year. I quit. I, oh. I continually quit things that were difficult. And my family, you know, I'm not, this isn't a parenting um discussion per se, but allowed me or encouraged that even. And so I think I became very fragile around things that were challenging. So when I hear you guys naming it as failure, I think that's exactly what it was. I didn't like failing. Um, I didn't like being uncomfortable and I just learned to avoid it. And I think that fast forward many years, I see the church is very fragile in that way too, that we're not interested in embodying things that aren't natural or are difficult or challenge the things that we think. And we, we don't necessarily want to practice our way into a new way of thinking. I think that's hard for people. And I I resonate with that, but I think it's also possible. um, And it's beautiful to, to jump into things where you're really awkward and failing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually hard to talk about this without, people hearing what we're not saying too, mm-hmm. I think. That's, um, that's so mm-hmm. Like, so, so we're not trying to glorify failure or valorize it as though failure mm-hmm. becomes the new virtue and now not failing is wrong. It's, it's simply that we have, we have this darndest uh, tendency to not trust the Lord when we can rely on our own capacities and competencies, mm-hmm. you know, and typically when we fail, like we're at a basketball camp, you know, um, mm-hmm. Ben, when you're at a uh, modern dance camp, like it's when we mm-hmm. get into these places <laughs> where, yep, yeah, when we get into these places where we don't know what we're doing and we're at the end of our, uh, what we can do in our natural ability, yeah. there is this liminal space where we can come to the end of ourselves. Yeah. And and do and perform scripture. We can die, you know. We can die, and we can learn how to trust God in places that where our human capacity doesn't cut it. Yeah. So yeah. I think that that's been some of the most important aspect of this axiom for me. And I hear I hear this in what y'all are saying, and even just to put a finer point on it, um, you know, it isn't about like performing virtue for God in our own strength. Like the, yeah. the point of talking about faith in this way is not just, so in some ways, like we can use basketball or piano, you know, or modern dance as, as analogies, but those are all things that we can do in our own strength, you know, and that maybe mm-hmm. some of us, you know, can do better than others, etc. But when it comes to faith, I think it's like, it is more like practicing the piano than it is um, studying for a test. But by the same token, it also is like performing or like practicing faith is something that actually puts us in the way of God's power and grace. That it actually is the way that we learn to go beyond our natural human abilities, our natural human capacities. We, we learn to go beyond those things by leaning into um, embodied participation. And, and the, <laughs> the audacious claim is that that we actually are, that's how we participate in God's life. God shares a different kind of life with us. And we participate in that life as we step out in faith, as we step out to do the things that, um, that we can't do, you know, in our, in our own human strength, um, especially at the invitation of God. You know, we're not talking about presumption, you know, or sort of uh, testing God yeah. in that way, but, 
we're, we're saying that when there's an invitation, uh, when there's good news, right, when the gospel is proclaimed, um, that there is also capacity and power waiting for us um, if we'll step into that in faith. Yeah. You know, truth be told, though, I, I think if I'm honest, mm-hmm. I like to do things on my own strength. I'm oh, yeah. human. I want that. Like, and actually reading. Mm-hmm. Well, there, <laughs> there's like. That's probably why she just, likes to do it. <laughs> well, I was, yeah. I was reminded. Of, can I share the story I was reminded of when I read yeah. this chapter? Uh, have you ever heard of Florence Chadwick? Do you know who she is? Mm-mm. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, she was the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. Oh. Um, and in the 1950s, she uh, did like a 26 mile swim from the California coast to the Catalina. Catalina Islands, which is like a 15-hour swim thing. And as she was doing this, fog set in and she lost her bearings. And the boat that was with her was like yelling to her as the story goes, like, keep going, keep going. And she was like kind of yelling back to them, to the boat, like, I can't do this anymore. Like she was honestly one of the best women swimmers at the time. Mm -hmm. And she threw in the towel and she got up on the boat and she was only a half a mile from the shore. And like on her own strength, not trusting what the people were telling her, Mm. she quit. And I I think I was reminded of that story because I think I see that in me often in my life of I want to do things on my own. And maybe people are even encouraging me. I read your chapter and, and it's like encouraging me to be a part of embodied participation. And yet the nature in me is like pushes against that. Mm. And just two weeks ago, we were <laughs> in Mackinac Island in Michigan, and we rented tandem bikes for us to ride around the island in. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever rode a tandem bike, but the island, you can't have cars or anything, so it's only bikes mm-hmm. and horses. So I decided to do this with my youngest son, who's nine. And I don't know why we thought this was going to be a great idea to ride eight <laughs> miles around in a tandem bike with your nine-year-old, but here we were. Uh-huh. And it uh-huh. was this beautiful picture of exactly what you're talking about because I just want to do it on my own. I want my own bike. I want to swim my own mm-hmm. thing. I want it, whatever. Mm-hmm. And now I'm sharing this and boyfriend can't bike on a tandem bike. I'm going to blame it totally on him. But like we literally are in town and we both f- literally fell over. Yeah, you know, I'm just <laughs> anyway. Sorry, London. Anyway, it it was this day of like practicing pedaling together and like doing like count. We'd be like three, two, one, go. And we'd like start pedaling and like it was work and it was uncomfortable and it was and it was together. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, man, just as I read that, I thought that story of the swimmer and then thought of the tandem bike. And I was like, yeah, this is. This is what you're talking about. This is what I want, even though I sometimes push against it. Yeah. Hi, my name is Michelle Arndt, and I'm a church planter and pastor in rural Wisconsin near the outer edges of the Twin Cities. Recently, I reflected on my time in the Gravity Cohort five years ago and the way it opened up space in me to see how for much of my Christian life, my words and works remained disconnected from the ways of Jesus because I lacked the ability to name my actual desires and how they played out in my real world. Gravity gave me the tools to excavate things like the way hidden desires for power and popularity prevent me from loving others well. It taught me the language of noticing through Kairos moments in everyday life that are far better at telling the truth about what I actually believe about Jesus and myself than 10 Bible studies ever could. Gravity is not about information, it's about transformation. I continue to reach regularly for the things that I've learned in gravity in my everyday life and relationships as a person and a pastor. Those who know me best have heard me say repeatedly, gravity has been the single most transformative spiritual experience I've had thus far in my life as a follower of Jesus. If you want to clear the clutter of Christian ideas and move into living in the ways of Jesus, gravity is for you. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. Christy, that story about you and your nine-year-old is a perfect segue to the next question I was going to ask, because I think it's a good example of where is this axiom most difficult for you right now, or where do you struggle to see the world like this? And Christy, what I heard you say is when you would rather do something by yourself or Mm -hmm. when you could do it 
better on your yeah. own, right? Yeah. So so when some when trusting another or trusting God, you perceive that as compromising a strength. I do sometimes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. How about mm. how about for you, Gino? Is it is it same for you or is it different? Yeah, I think it's it's very similar there there for me as well. And also, I think there's another area where this is difficult for me. We mentioned like not wanting to valorize failure. I think that on the other extreme too, like there are times when people need to leave situations because it's not helpful. And so I I'm not saying that isn't true as well. So I think because I have a little bit more um comfort level with being disrupted and being uncomfortable that I can maybe sometimes assume that other people should push through or be pulled into things that could be harmful to them. And so I, I, I want to have an awareness that while we want failure as an option, failure doesn't necessarily have to be always a good thing in every situation. Sometimes failure is an example of abusive situations and we want to be aware of that. Yeah. yeah, so not only only are we not valorizing failure, we're also not saying all failure is equal or all failure has equal merit when it comes to learning. Yes, exactly. And so I'm yeah. not sure. I know that my awareness for every single human being is not perfect, but I'm not sure if my awareness is always even helpful in every situation with people I'm in community because of the different backgrounds and experiences. And then also my comfort level with being uncomfortable is higher. So I want to be aware of that. Yeah. I mean, I can share a little anecdote that I think backs up what you're saying, Gino. Yeah, please um, do. Just to prove to everyone that you're not nutso. I think you're out of something here. Our listeners were wondering. I'm yeah. getting a lot of texts. We're getting a lot of even real-time messaging. Real-time um, messaging, even though nobody's um, listening to us record our, this. Our Gravity MySpace still, page is blowing up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this morning, um, so my son went to Kings Island, which is a amusement park in Cincinnati, Ohio, that has like some amazing roller coasters. And he went for the first time in his life, he's 13, a few weeks back, and he came home just like, we got to go back right now. You know what I mean? Like it was like, the most amazing thing ever. And so he's been talking to me about going back. Uh, this, this last weekend, we went to something here in... Uh, downtown Indianapolis called Gen Con, which is a huge conference of like gamers, like card games and board games and all kinds mm. of, you know, there's tens and tens of thousands of people here and tens of thousands of people dressed up. And we went to that and he bought a new game. And, um, and then in a few weeks, we're going to a football game, a college football game. I'm getting that for like a birthday present for him. Anyway, uh, my son is costing me a lot of money these days is, is what I'm trying to just point out here, like a lot of cash. So anyway, he comes back and, and in between uh, Kings Island and Gen Con and going to this football game in a month, he wants to try to go, get back to Kings Island, which if both of us buy tickets and drive there, it's a couple hours away and have two meals there. We're talking like 350 bucks for the day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe maybe closer to four, depending on if daddy gets what daddy wants to eat. And I... Like, I, I want to say yes to him. Like, I really want to say yes. But I'm looking at, like, our budget, and I'm looking at how much money we're spending. And so I'm, like, entertaining this, but I'm in the back of my mind thinking, we can't afford this. Anyway, this morning, Sharon, my wife, kind of delivered, like, hey, we probably can't afford this. And he he really, like, had a meltdown. Because he he... When when you say maybe to my thirteen year old, he takes it as a blood oath that you are going to do it. Like this is you are you are signing something in blood if you say maybe. And so I, me trying to like empathetically empathetically inhabit what he wants and and affirm that that's a good thing. I think it does it does unhelpful work for him in some ways. Anyway, he is like losing losing his mind, and one of my top triggers for my kids. I said this was a short anecdote. Bear with me. One of the top triggers for my kids is when they when their life's amazing and they grumble. Mm. Like I, I don't know what it is, but like if their life's amazing and they find the one thing that isn't and fixate upon that, I lose my mind. So anyway, mm. my son is just like not listening to his mom. He's on his screens. He's not moving. He's yelling at us. He's He's telling us that we did him wrong and I lost it. I was like, you think we're doing you wrong? Do you want us to actually like 
do you wrong? So you have something to compare it to? Like, I, I mean, I, I powered up and yelled at him and I felt really awful. For, it, was a, it was a parenting failure. It was a parenting failure that I think hurt my kid. And it's a parenting failure that hurt my kid that I don't think was good. Right, so mm-hmm. I want to. Mm-hmm. I want to. I'm siding with you, Gino, here against everybody who's listening. Um, <laughs> everybody who's texting us. <laughs> no, I, I think. I think that that was a failure that I wouldn't. If I had to yeah. choose, I wouldn't choose again. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not commending mm-hmm. that to other people. Okay. Right. But then, but then, um, my wife was. I forget how this went down, but my wife said, you should message Deacon about this. I said, no, because I need to apologize to him when he gets home. And I don't want to, pre- mm. I don't want to pretend like nothing's wrong, but I found this um, video today. It came up on my Insta feed, or is it called the gram? What are the kids calling it? The gram? The Do gram sounds like, a, that sounds like a, what Insta boomers is say. old. Insta is old, called it like two years ago. I think we're wrong either way. Yeah. All right. Totally wrong. Yeah. Um, I think they call it Tegra. They just take the middle part. Um, uh, Sta. They just call it Sta. <laughs> it's just the Sta. Um, anywho, I found this video of this kid juggling three Rubik's Cubes and solving them as he juggled. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Pretty incredible, That's, right? So I, yeah. wow. so I sent to my son, I said, can you do this? Um, and he sent back, no, LOL. Um and then I said, you know what else you can't do? You can't not argue with your mom and dad when we want the best for you. No, I didn't do that. I said, um, uh, <laughs> I didn't think about success. it. I didn't think about it though. I, I, um, I just sent him a text. I said, hey, I feel shame when I want to give you something good and I can't provide it. And when I feel shame, I get angry and I blame other people. Mm. And that's why I yelled at you this morning and you didn't deserve it even though you were being impatient. And I, I'm sorry. Um, and he said, I'm sorry for being impatient. And then, and then I messaged him about something we were going to chat about later tonight that had mm-hmm. nothing to do with that. Um, I guess what I want to say though, Gino is like even failures that seem unredeemable mm-hmm. in those failures, you c- because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, there can be resurrection in those failures. Yes. Amen. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think what it takes, though, is that you have to actually... I had a choice there of, like, telling the truth about myself, letting God meet me in my messy reality, mm-hmm. or pretending like nothing happened, or asking my son, my 13-year-old, to be the bigger person and own their wrong first. You know, I could have done all these things, and I have mm-hmm. in the past, right? But I, I, um, I, I guess I want to say, even in those failures that you're talking about, Gino, I still think there's a way to fail forward. Yeah, I yes. still think there's a way. I still think there's a way to redeem that failure by submitting yourself and humbling yourself, especially when there's a power dynamic differential. Yeah, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think we'd have to take into account not just that we're experiencing failure, but that we might be experiencing it for different reasons. And then in, if those are being, if those reasons are being addressed and maybe the power dynamic is being addressed, then it can be a safe place again to fail yes. and maybe yeah. it's redeemable. Yeah. That's what I hear you saying. Yes. And, and, I and hear... hopefully, hopefully all our listeners are agreeing with me Yes, now, and not thinking I'm so, so I was <laughs> I feeling got them back like on a failure. Side, you know? Yeah. I think they're back, back on, your, on side. your side. I think they're back on your side. Okay, I, I hear you saying is, if your failure is your kid's fault, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you made me do it. No, I'm just, I'm giving our listeners whiplash. And Never now have they been on everyone your side. hates me. Yes. <laughs> Gino, I'm just kidding. I think, I just think kidding. though, um, like to, to my, my story that I, I shared, like, I think that yeah. my, my mom pulling me out of that basketball camp because I had one negative, like threatening experience mm-hmm. giving me this way out. I don't think yeah. that she was trying to harm me or make me unprepared for the world. But I think her mm-hmm. tolerance for my growth through difficult situations was yeah. probably lower than it needed to be. Like she just couldn't tolerate that and didn't want to see me upset. And had we had the opportunity to maybe work through and, and maybe even reconcile some of the conflict that happened on day one of that camp, 
Hmm. I might have been able to see that as something that I grew from rather than yeah. ran away from. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it, there, there's different orders of, you know, the, the failing at basketball, um, you know, is like a failure of competence or skill. Um, but yeah, a lot of times in our discipleship, our failures are sort of moral in nature, yeah. right? Um, where we're, we're actually, oh, we, we've sinned against somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I appreciate from those stories, I think, that it's not like failure is good. It's not like, yep, well, the only way to, you know, the only way to grow is to yell at your kids, you know, and then <laughs> apologize. Um, but, <laughs> but every failure, whether it's a, just a skill failure or moral in nature, um, it is an eruption of what's real. It, it's a revealing of what's, what's happening, right? Um, yeah. There's a revealing of reality that I think that becomes the liminal space to say, okay, now faith, you can be faithful right here. You can be faithful right now in this failure. Like every time you do fail, even if it is quite catastrophic, even, you know, there is a opportunity to exercise faith. And so, you know, just to put this into the language of our chapter, like your embodied participation in the life God shares with you, Matt, was to text your son this apology like that was that was that was participating in in god's life Mm. um because you know there's there's a reconciling act you know uh that's there that's available to you um in the yeah in the resurrection of jesus yeah yeah can we just name too that often i think failure for me speaks to my identity it says something about me or maybe our listeners are thinking that so like matt maybe in this situation with deacon you felt shame because you felt like you were bad or you know there was some lie you were believing about yourself right um and i would love i feel like embodied participation helps us stay cognitive or like knowing the truth that when we fail it does not say anything about our identity Um, and I don't know about you guys, but right now all of my kids are in the midst of like sports tryouts and like, um, there's like soccer tryouts and volleyball tryouts and all these things. And my daughter is trying out for volleyball. She's never done it in her life. And, and she's trying, which is like really beautiful and really courageous. And yesterday she was in a really terrible mood. And after lunch, I was like, honey, what is going on? And she's like, I am so nervous. Mm. Like, what if I don't make the team? What if I fail? She even used that word. And I said, what if you do? What does that say about who you are? Mm-hmm. And she sat there for a second and she said, well, I guess it says I just need to work on my skills in volleyball. <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes. that's exactly that's the only thing yeah. it says. Doesn't say anything about who you are. Doesn't say anything about your heart. Doesn't say anything about your identity. And what if we lived that way? Like what if we lived mm. like Brie? When we had big moral failures, even like Ben's talking about, yeah. or small things like basketball camp, like I wonder what, like what would it be like if if we could fail in these ways and yet it wouldn't shake mm-hmm. our identity yeah. um, and the truth about what God says about us um, and what God says about Him. Yeah. Hmm. So I've yeah. been chewing on that last twenty four hours. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be, yeah, I think that's, I think that's one of the things that I had to reckon with before I messaged my son. Yeah. Um, because in the, immediately as I did it, I, I regretted it. I realized that it was about me, not about him. I mean, 13-year-olds are going to 13-year-old, you know, and, um, but, but I think, I think what this axiom is trying to give us access to is not, I've got to become the kind of person who doesn't do that. Yeah. Right. Two, when I do that, I can become the kind of person who doesn't have to do that anymore. Yes. Yeah. That's the difference here. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think, mm-hmm. I mean, I think the testimony to the, how effective this is, I think seven years ago, no way Ben takes modern dance classes. And now <laughs> that's all he can talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, so then moving on, what... What questions does this chapter leave you with? Or what kinds of things spin out from this that you'd like to explore more? Gina, let's start with you. I think it's creating communities of practice. 
That's yeah. that's what comes out of this for me. I had the mm-hmm. thought a while ago. I think it was probably during that that really bad church experience that I had, where when I was trying to seek resolution with in the disagreements and all of these things that became abusive, I was able to name kind of what I thought was my role in that, and I found that I was that's being weaponized against me, and and I remember thinking. It would be amazing if I could be in a community where they wouldn't be surprised that I sin, but they wouldn't necessarily tolerate that I sin. And they'd want to practice a way through that. And yeah. and so now th- this axiom gives me access to like how to do that in a little bit different way than, than kind of what I dreamed up maybe 15 years ago. Not that I'm the only one to ever consider that idea. So I'm really interested in talking about developing communities of practice where it's not just talking about our things, but we experience situations that put us in different behavior patterns so that maybe we do experience different kinds of challenges and then debrief those. How do we feel about engaging our neighbors with a a barbecue or Mm -hmm. what do we, what did we feel about, you know, having that conversation in that difficult situation and having like spaces where we are we are able to be brave about how we're experiencing them. So I don't know if you have yeah. thoughts about that. I think that's kind of what comes out of this from me. I do. I have thoughts, but I'd love to hear the rest of yours. <laughs> I want to hear more of yours because that's what <laughs> that was what I I want groups of people. I want my friends to talk about this to process this with me, and I think that that is what's um, what came out of this chapter because I feel like even Matt when you share your story mm. and you share how then you responded in courage embodied participation in texting him mm. that encourages me mm-hmm. that actually mm-hmm. like does stir something in me to be about the same thing and so I think Gina what you're saying is yeah what would it look like to have communities where this was practiced and lived out and shared I think um, that's what I want Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I. I don't. I don't. One of the things I think is important is that the person who has either the person who's perceived perceived to have the most power uh, does it uh, the most. Mm-hmm. So it's not something you demand from others. It's something you demonstrate to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and this is like one of the. My wife and I, when we had our children, uh, we sat down and made a list of like the five things that we want our kids to have when they leave the house. Uh, and she's like, can I do this later? I, the epidural hasn't worn off. And I was like, no, we're doing this right now. <laughs> and um, so one of the things we decided was that our kids would trust us with their badness. Like whenever, like they would run towards us, not away from us when they did something wrong. And, and so then we worked back from that. Like, how do we become the kind of parents that our kids don't hide and lie and um, pretend, right? Or have to have to deal with the hardest parts of life by themselves. Uh, and, you know, through trial and error, one of the things we're pretty confident of is, well, we have to be those kind of people to them. Mm-hmm. Like, they have to experience the goodness of that, Um from us with us in order to learn to entrust that part to themselves. And you know, time tells, I don't know, we're, you don't get like, you don't get a, you don't get a dress rehearsal for being a parent, right? And there's no do overs either. So time will tell if that it works. But I, but my hunch is one of the things is the person with the most power, either perceived or real, has to demonstrate this rather than demand or, you know, mm-hmm. dictate it. I think Matt, you could just start a, a you know, parenting podcast. We got Gravity Leadership, and then we'll, we're going to do parenting, like you know, <laughs> podcast network two point two point oh. You know, I I'm, think this is really helpful. I'm really aware, though. I'm really aware that, like, I got a 13 year old, soon to be 14, and 10 year old, and everything I think about parenting could be wrong. <laughs> you know, I, you know what I mean. Like, the proof isn't in like how good it sounds, even or how well your kids behave. Kids behave for all kinds of bad reasons. Yep. Mm-hmm. It has to do with like, are you are you fomenting 
and supporting um, little people to develop the character and the wisdom they need mm-hmm. to love and live well. Yeah. yeah. It's not about managing behavior. Right. It's about developing character. Yeah. And, and, and I, actually, I think our job as parents is what we see God doing with humans, which is like, I don't want you to be like a horse and mule. I don't want to have to always like pull you around and tell you what to do. I don't want you to not take a step without looking at me. Like I want you to, I want to trust you. I want to trust you. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not God to my kids, but there is some an, an analogical principles of like, I, I don't want you to be afraid at 18 when you leave the house. Or I don't want you to be relieved. I want you to be like, you know, Maybe a little afraid, but like, yeah, I've done, I've done some experiments of what it looks like to use my agency and, mm. and I'm going to screw up. And when I screw up, I can call dad, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think too, like the, you know, to further reflect on your questions, you know, about communities of practice. I love that term and that phrase, yeah. just the implications of that. Um, and it is something, this is something that happens in our, you know, Gravity uh, Leadership Academy and our cohorts. Um, and it's something we do seek to model in our, you know, in our church um, mm-hmm. as well, that discipleship actually then becomes a safe place for people to try it out, a safe place for people to practice, um, like proclaiming good news to one another, um, a, a safe place to practice uh, discerning you know, how lies might be at work in my life, a safe place to learn how to practice faith, um, you know, together where we all feel a little bit sheepish, you know, about it. Like, "Ah, I don't really know, but it's gotta be a community where, um, yeah, it it always feels a little vulnerable to me to invite people into that kind of space because it's way easier to cultivate groups where we're just going to talk on the level of ideas. So it's all read a, yeah, Let's all read a book and everybody like read a couple commentaries and we'll all just say what we think about this passage. Um, you know, those, I, <laughs> I don't know how many years ago it was now, but I'm just like, I'm just done with those groups. They're just <laughs> boring and I'm not interested. I just don't care. Uh, I'm done over it. Um, and, and partly I think just because uh, I don't think that leads to any kind of transformation. We stay in control in those kinds of groups and everybody just offers their thoughts and, you know, it's fine. Um, but yeah, the thing I'm hungry for as well is how do we cultivate communities of practice where we actually learn, like, and you know, like Jesus' disciples learned, like they learned, they weren't just like commenting on what Jesus was doing um, <laughs> or like cheering him on. They were learning to do what he was doing, you know, and Jesus said, this is the explicit goal that you will do the things that I am doing and even greater things because I'm going to the father. And um, he sent him out to practice. Um, one of my favorite things about the Gospels is that <laughs> Jesus did not give his disciples authority to teach uh, until apparently Pentecost, um, you know, and then it was like, okay, you can teach now. But before that, like <laughs> the easy stuff, he's like, oh, well, yes, you certainly can't do any teaching. But you know what you can do? You can cast out demons. Sure, no problem. That's, right. That's easy. You know, <laughs> raise the dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no problem. Beginners can do this stuff. Cast out demons, raise the dead, you know, cleanse the lepers. Go for it. That's beginner stuff. Uh, but you, you should probably wait till teach. Anyway, we just do it exactly opposite. We think teaching is the easy thing. <laughs> anyway, oh, thought I'd just great. leave that there for us to uh, contemplate. But yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. I think it's it's good. That's what we need, Gino. We need communities <laughs> of practice. Our churches need to become communities of practice. For sure. Yeah. Yes. How about you, Christy? Anything anything you're interested in exploring more? Anything that you want you feel like this chapter left like left was left wanting for you? No, I mean I really did. Like I think Gina, what you're talking about is what I want. Like that's what I was left with. Is that I what is my community of practice? Who are those people? Yeah. Um and and how intentional am I being, right? With them modeling that and then also like hearing from them and learning from them. So, um, no, I think I was just encouraged in that way and to, to be intentional in that way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, maybe that's a good place to end it. Any final words, Gino, Christy, anything you want to share that you haven't got out yet? I'm sad that this is the last axiom. That's the only mm-hmm. thing I feel like I want to say. I want to keep last going. Axiom. Well, we do have one more. We've got a conclusion uh, to the book Woo-hoo. we'll talk about next week. But So we got one more, Gino. And then I go cold turkey. Yet. That, yeah, then, then it's cold turkey. You become a cold turkey and... I don't know. I'm expand on the metaphor. Anyway, no, now the audience doesn't gonna, like me again. Yeah, yeah. We're just going to get on Zoom or something, and then just have you know coffee together, all yeah, four of us. I mean, Sweet. Yeah. yeah, we'll just we'll keep chatting. Um, hmm. So, all right. Alrighty. Well, appreciate the care and uh, time and concern that you have taken to read and reflect on these chapters. We have we do have one mm-hmm. more. We'll do the conclusion. Mm-hmm next week but uh what a gift to have two um really brilliant and kind people um take this much time with our book so thank you thank you thanks y'all thank you peace see you next week for one more hey everybody it's ben once again you can order Having the Mind of Christ anywhere books are sold. Um, there's a coupon code if you order from IVP's website. There's a link in the show notes. Or you can just go to ivpress.com and search for Having the Mind of Christ. You can get 30% off and free U.S. shipping by using the code GRAVITY, uh, where you can just get it wherever you buy books. Um, you can leave us uh, an Amazon review or a Goodreads review. Um, that would be great. It would help us uh, get the word out about the book. Um, and even though the book has already launched, if you go to gravityleadership.com slash launch, you can join our launch team um, to be able to join some discussions that are coming up uh, that we still have uh, about the book. There's one coming up later this month where we're going to be talking through the last half of the book in terms of practical um, implications, uh, that kind of thing. Just a big Zoom call. Anybody can join us uh, if you're part of that team. Um, and also, we're going to be releasing some cool swag, uh, which is uh, a cool word that kids use, I think, um, that refers to uh, articles of clothing, mugs, uh, throw pillows, uh, face masks, um, iPhone cases, what have you. Uh, a friend of ours is designing some goofy, they're really goofy and fun, um, images that go along with a few of the axioms and there's going to be a way for you to order um, a few different products and anyway if you're part of that team uh, you get a pretty steep discount on uh, some of those things so anyway that's all coming up uh, but it's still kind of a secret because uh, nobody really knows about it yet except y'all so join us gravityleadership.com slash launch if you'd like to get early access and discounts to some of the cool uh, stuff, swag that we're going to be sending out. Also, we love to hear from you. And so questions or reflections can be left for us at gravityleadership.com slash message. Just click the start recording button and uh, ask us a question or leave us a message. Uh, People do that all the time and it's really lovely. And if we want to answer your question on a future episode, we will. So that's fun too. All right. I think that's about it. See you guys next time. Peace. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you're finding it helpful, we'd love it if you tell your friends about it. Ratings and reviews online also help others find the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles that we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. Our show is produced by Ben Sturkey and Matt Tebby. Aaron Sturkey edits and mixes the podcast. You can check out his work at aaronsturkey.com. We'd love to hear from you. To record a question or comment for us, go to gravityleadership.com slash message and click the Start Recording button. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.